this is Leadership and Logics, and I'm here virtually with my co-host, Danielle Lord. And we have a special treat. Uh, our third uh, co-host has uh, is joining us starting today, so we're really excited to also introduce you to Trisha Ryan. Hi, Danielle and Trisha. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great Thank well. you. <laughs> over <laughs> yes we're gonna get, we're gonna figure this out aren't we with three people it's gonna be great it's so interesting because we're virtual obviously in this uh, middle of the covid and uh we also uh are can't see each other so we're not we're not doing zoom we're doing another kind of technology so we'll be um We'll be working working it out. It's part of the learning process uh, that we're all in, and for a lot of different things. And this is just one of them. Our podcast now we have three. So um, today we're going to be talking about appropriately managing organizational transitions, and we're going to be talking about it from the uh, primarily from the work of William Bridges. And so. We're looking forward to that conversation. It's so important today with all of the the changes that we're going through every day. And that's not even just COVID. You know, we all know we're living in the time of great change with um, social justice issues, the election coming up, um, lots of different lots of personal change that people are going through. So we thought this would be a really good time to um to have that conversation but before we jump into that uh trisha how was your weekend my weekend was fantastic um home domestic stuff but it's i think that's what we do now with covid so um, yeah it's great had a great time <laughs> great how about you danielle had a great weekend, pretty low key, but uh, I have to give a, a hello to our new subscriber and my longtime friend, Ron Jacobson. So uh, he'll be listening in from now on. And otherwise, pretty low key. Just uh, also took care of some domestic things, like putting on different bed linens since it's getting colder at night. So, <laughs> you know, fun stuff like that. Fun, snuggly, snuggly bed linens. How great. <laughs> Usually it means that the warm again and then we'll be roasting under our, our super hot uh, bed linens but <laughs> I don't think that's going to be the case this year no it's it's rather chilly yes um yeah and uh for me this weekend I uh was able to reconnect with a couple of friends we did the crazy outdoor dining um with uh the tables that were spread all out and wearing our masks and it was but it was it was so good. I hadn't seen these friends for six months, and it felt so good to see people in person. You know, we wanted to hug, but we couldn't. Um, so that you know, we're trying to be really good and safe um, with our practices. So, but it's still to be in the presence of real people instead of the virtual. It was it was pretty fun. So good weekend for me. Um, and the weather is is definitely getting colder so we're going to recommend today that you find a hot beverage uh and and grab that cup and and let's talk about leadership so uh before we dive into the um, managing organizational transitions uh we're going to do a little interview of our new um our new uh 
Uh, now I can't even come up with the word. You, and I remember last time, Danielle, you you were coming. Our And if you want to um, see a full bio on Trisha, feel free to go to um, www.thepinnaclecc.com, and we have uh, all of our bios there. So Trisha won't be giving us the full bio, but we did want to. Uh, give an opportunity for her to get to know our listeners a little bit. Um, so, Trisha, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Great. So, tell us a little bit about you and your background and who you are. I First, I'm just going to say I'm very excited to be here, and I'm glad to be joining the team finally. It's been a while. Um, and I'll just say my background is 38 years of organizational and leadership development and uh, a few degrees along the way to actually make it uh, cement because before I always felt lucky to be a part of this or, or this type of work and now I not only feel lucky I feel able and I feel um, a little more confident in it now that I've gotten a little bit of education behind me but I started back with the phone company in air quotes and uh, in California and went from being an operator to taking on a, a kind of a little project where they sent me over to the main office and had me do some work and that work just happened to be in the organizational and leadership development think tank for the organization for the company. And I fell in love with it. I couldn't stand not doing it. It was great. I had the most amazing boss who was sort of the star of the show for the think tank. And he just told me he would take me as far as I wanted to go. And with that, um, he helped me get hooked up for the right degrees and um, put me in assignments that made it just the most amazing experience. I found out how fun it was to be in learning and development and um, leadership development specifically. I just couldn't get enough of it. And so I followed him around for several years and through that got quite a few promotions and learned my craft basically by deep diving into phone company um, work, you know, just anything that was going on. And at the time there was a lot going on this was the 80s. So I've spent my entire career, I've gone through probably four or five different kinds of organizations and different disciplines, but I have stuck with leadership development and absolutely love it. Great. Thank you. So why, why did you actually, you talked a little bit about that, but why did you choose leadership development as your career? What, what was it that enticed you into that? Yeah, um, thanks for that question. Actually, I started in organizational development. Mm -hmm. And while I like OD, um, one of the things that I didn't have this huge draw towards was redesigning departments or um, restructuring and that kind of thing. To me, it was a little more, um, I don't know, it was, it was good. It was good work, but it just wasn't enticing me. It didn't speak to my heart. And um, but leadership development did because I got to see people who had a real desire to be better and to be 
um, more effective and to make, make a, a statement. And then when they go through development, I watched them testing it and actually growing. And when I saw that the work we were doing was helping people move from one level to an extremely different level, um, closing gaps that existed before, and it was just exciting to watch. And I don't think I have ever gotten tired of that. I've been doing it for, what, 30-something years, and every time I see somebody grow, every time I see somebody's confidence uh, get a little stronger, um, have them step out and do things that they never would have done before because all of a sudden they're they're willing to trust or they're willing to stand out on a limb and and be uncomfortable for a moment to me that is the biggest charge i just love it it feeds my heart it feeds my soul it makes me feel like i'm in the right spot mm, so good yeah and i have to say that that is really, I would say, one of your superpowers is uh, your ability to really um, be present and focus, uh, and with a single person or a group, whoever you're with, and people people notice that they appreciate that that um, you know, I kind of like you feel like you're the most important person in the room when when um, when they're with you and when I'm with you, so. That's, that's great. That's I mean, well, thank you for that. Cause that, that is what I do this for, you know, to me, if someone feels that, that they mattered and that they made a difference, that's all really that matters to me. It's like going to the potato chip aisle in the grocery store. Right. And, and seeing somebody there who's struggling a little bit and just asking them, you know, do you remember when there were only two different types of potato chips? <laughs> it starts the conversation, but it, it may be the only conversation they've had all day. And so to me, that's, that's where the money is, you know? Yeah. Yep. So, um, why did you choose to join the podcast? And first of all, let me just say how grateful I am, um, for you to have been with us on this journey. So, you have been um, such an important partner as we thought about starting this, even in the middle of COVID. In fact, partly because we were in the middle of COVID, uh, we wanted to do something to give back to uh, to leaders that may not have normal uh, opportunities to get development. So that was one of our impetus for starting. Um, so appreciated your good thinking and creativity and uh, partnership as we launched this. Um, and now it's just icing on the cake to have you join us as a co-host. So why did you choose to join this podcast? Well, thank you for starting out that way. It's, um, it has been absolutely wonderful to be working with both you and Danielle on this a little bit. You did a lot of the work, most of the work, and I just was on the front end of it. But to your point, I think it was exciting for one thing to work with both of you on a different level. As you know, we've worked together elsewhere, but um, it there was just something magic about getting to do this because the three of us have so much that I think we bring to the table. But 
we bring it to the table for those people who may or may not otherwise be able to have the benefit of someone in their office or someone in their world who could have these conversations. And so to me, this is really important. It's an important piece of work that I hope people can understand that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of history behind all of this and we all stand on a really sound and solid foundation of theory and, um, and evidence that, that I think that we bring to this and that's the magic of it. Um, but it's really to help other people who have the wherewithal to jump in and listen to the podcast and hopefully send information or send information questions or anything they want to um, add so that we can build this into something even more than it is. And I think that it's, it's really growing. So to me, it's, it's being in this podcast is like being in heaven for me because I get to work with the two of you again. And it's also for being able to connect to people who I might otherwise never get to. Wonderful. Thank you for that. All right. So now um, a tough question because you might have to reach way back into um, your memory bank, back into your history. Um, as uh, as you know, of course, because you were a part of designing the actual structure around uh, this podcast, uh, we believe that leadership, that everyone can be a leader. Uh, that it's not just about a formal role, um, and really leadership is an action. So when did you first know you were a leader? That was an interesting question. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when I think back, um, I, it has nothing to do with work. It has everything to do with school. And the first time, honestly, <laughs> and don't laugh, um, was in third grade. And it had to do with, um, I, I moved to New Jersey. My father was in the military. And so we, we were stationed in New Jersey. I was going to a private school. And within my first week, the, um, my instructor asked me if I would be interested in working with um, mentally and physically challenged kids. And I had no idea that I had what it took, but I don't know. She saw something and she asked me if I'd be interested. And I ended up doing it for two years. It was amazing. I got to help children learn how to say words. I got to help them learn how to walk and to even crawl across a floor and to use equipment that they probably never seen before. And um, it was it was just amazingly fun, but I got an award for being a leader of mm. this group. And I couldn't believe that anybody ever thought I was a leader. I was in third grade after all. I mean, that's not a leader, is it? But then when I went to college, um, I had a project team and there were seven of us on this project team and, and a lot of really strong personalities. And they asked me if I would be the project lead um, for our semester project. And I, 
I was a little baffled because there were some other people there who I thought probably were stronger at this. And I really didn't have any project management experience, but I did it. I had, I struggled through it, but I did it. And what I found was that I, it wasn't, leading wasn't about giving orders and it wasn't about telling people what to do. It was about asking them where they were with things and what they needed and and um, asking them how I could support that. And so it ended up being learning leadership through learning how to support. And to me, that was pretty exciting to find out that you don't have to bark orders to be a leader. In fact, that's not really a leader. Um, it's, it's how do you clear the path so that other people can shine and get their work done. So to me, that was, that was, those were the two times when I really felt like I um, was a leader. Yeah, those, those sort of early experiences can really impact how we see ourselves. And um, it was great to actually uh, could see and analyze that, hey, this is going to help me going into my future. This is what it really means here. So yeah, I, I think correct. that's true. It, it gave me a lot of confidence early on. And I will say that I lost it um, not too long after that when I went to work for a really large organization. And I was one of a million people working in this organization. It was actually a, a couple hundred thousand people. So I realized that um, as much as I went in thinking I was going to be a leader, um, I found myself being one of 200,000 people and trying to find my spot in leadership. So that was more of a formal leadership thing, but it was, it was really a journey to get to it. And to me, that was, that was the biggest lesson was the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how you can influence, if you have the opportunity to influence, uh, then you're a leader that you can, mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be in that formal way. Um, yeah. Great. Well, thanks, uh, for letting, letting me, uh, ask you a few questions about leadership and about yourself and hopefully the, our listeners have learned, um, a little bit more about who you are. Danielle, before we jump into the topic, anything that you would want um, to say or ask? No, uh, no. the only thing I would uh, add is that I've, I've worked with Tricia uh, for a long time, and it, even I was uh, got a little more information and insight uh, into your history, Tricia, so that was fun to listen to. Thanks for sharing. Yes, uh, and like I said, if if you want to hear more about any one of our bios, you can just go to the website, uh, thepinnaclecc.com, and click on the podcast tab, and our bios are right there. So, And also, if you want to ask us any questions, feel free to, you can uh, go there, and there's a link, um, or just go directly to Leadership and Lattes at gmail.com and that the and is actually spelled out leadership a n d lattes at gmail.com all right so with that i'm going to jump into our topic today again which is um, managing organizational transitions and it's based on the work by william bridges so um 
I want to just uh, start with that definition, which I think is so important to sell, set the groundwork about what are we actually talking about? Change versus transition. And Trisha, I know you've been doing quite a bit of talking, but for this one, I want to actually tap back to you on that. So how do you, uh, at least for the, our beginning part of this conversation, how would you define the difference between change and transition? Sure, thank you. Um, I would say that we all go through change every day, many, many times a day. Um, something that you're either doing or something that you have experienced ends and something else begins. And it may be that you're just, my goodness, changing your clothes. Or it may be that you are getting a new family member. Or it may be something that is uh, like, You've, you're getting rid of your old car and you're getting a new car. But that is change. It's when something ends and something else begins. That's what I consider to be change. Transition to me is how I feel about it. So if there is a change, let's say the car example. Um, I had a great Volvo XC90. I loved that car. And when it got to a point where I was taking it in and every time I took it in, it was a couple of thousand dollars to get it fixed. Um, I decided to get a new car. So when I took that car to the dealership and I found the next car of my dreams, I was actually a little um, distraught because I loved that other car and it saw me through a lot. It saw me through eight or nine years of s snowy storms on the East Coast and cross country travels and lots of loads of, you know, potting soil and you name it. I loved that car. And all of a sudden I had this new shiny, wonderful smelling leather interior car. And while I liked it, I didn't quite know how to drive it or all the buttons and it was just not exactly what my other car it didn't it didn't have the same feel and I wasn't sure I really liked the new car and it took me a while to figure out what my place in this new car was and that's what change and transition is about it's like the change happens it's going to happen whether or not you like it sometimes but how you find your place in it where how you get it right in your heart and in your head is what transition is. It's how do I find my place? How do I see myself in the new? Because I've, I knew where I was in the old. I just don't know where I fit in the new. So that's to me what the difference between change and transition is. Yeah, thank you for that. I think that's it, and it's such an important distinction. Um, and I think this is a place where uh, when change initiatives go awry, it's because we haven't considered that um, that transition. Uh, we're really, really focused on what's the change. So uh, William Bridges' model um, has basically three stages, endings, neutral zone, and beginnings. And so you can sort of think about it um, on a continuum in a way, although we know that it's not um, always a linear process. Sometimes when you're going from endings to neutral zones, 
you know, you've got that gray period and you might jump back more into, we got to focus on endings. Same with beginnings. There's and kind of that gray zone before you get solidly in the beginning. Um, Danielle, where do you think from your perspective and your experience working with a lot of different organizations and leaders, um, where do you think that uh, the biggest mistakes or sort of stumbling blocks are for leaders and organizations uh, when they're trying to trying to move from one thing to another? Where do you think the biggest stumbling blocks are? Yeah, I think if we're thinking about it in terms of just pure change, it's um, a lack a real lack of planning. Um, but if we're thinking about it in terms of applying the bridges model, um, I, what comes to mind for me is how easy it is to get that ladder kicked out from underneath you and end up back in the ending. <laughs> when you're like feeling like you're just starting to come through the clouds of the neutral zone and you finally feel like you're getting to new beginnings, something can happen within the organization that, that kind of pulls the rug out from underneath you and all of a sudden you feel like you're back at that, that ending place. And, and if you go through that, people who go through that over and over and over, one change after another, and I think that can become a real place of despair for people. And you feel like, is, is it, are we ever gonna have something that feels normal and solid again? And so for me, I think that's where we as, as leaders sometimes forget uh, is, is, you know, if we keep, if we keep the waters churning, uh, we're just going to keep people in that perpetual state of feeling like, ah, uh, what's next? And that, I think we do a real disservice to folks with that. Mm. Yeah. So interesting. And I, when you were talking, it made me really think about where we're, you know, living right now that really is the extreme with COVID, where it feels like every day, sometimes <laughs> every hour, we something new is happening. Um, changes our direction, like thinking about the kids and their, the schools saying, yeah, you know, by mid-September or early October, you guys are going to be back in a, in a hybrid model. Uh, you'll be here at least two days a week. And then it's like, oh, no, that's not going <laughs> to <Okay>. happen. <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> there's that rug coming up from underneath you again, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and I, you know, I think Crystal and Trisha, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the SCARF model, right? The security, yeah. the status, the autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. And I, to me, when we think about managing organizational transitions, think about how much that SCARF model starts to overlay on that. Yes. Um, and, and all of a sudden, all of those things are, are really coming into play um, when you're in that state of um, endings <laughs> and, and all the uncertainty there. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about each of those um, sort of phases. And like I said, it's not necessarily completely linear. And as Danielle was talking about, sometimes we never even get to the beginning part. But um, as we, let's unpack those a little bit. So that first, um, the first phase is endings. And Essentially, what that's talking about is that something old um, needs to stop before something new can begin. And then the gap in between is that transition or neutral zone. So, Trisha, how long do you think it takes to get from 
something old stopping to something new beginnings. It can take as long as it takes. Um, I will go back and just reiterate, though, that ending is not something that must necessarily happen. Um, yes, if there's going to be a change, it has to happen. But it's usually not that something has to end. It's just that something is ending. So mm -hmm. in this case, in any case, let's say, let's say that somebody's getting married, right? And they're leaving their family to go and start a new life with a spouse. And so the ending is leaving your family to go live with your spouse or leaving a uh, single life and going into married life. So it's, it's not always that it is a must, you know, change. It is that it is a lot of times a, a wanted change. Yeah. And so, um, so it takes as long as it takes because people have to have some kind of feeling that something ends. And that's where I think a lot of times change in business, change in organizations um, kind of falls flat is that there's no real end. There's no celebration. There's nothing that says, okay, we're finishing this and we're going to start on this date and here's what it's going to look like. Um, it is more of, of, okay, we just got the memo that we now have to do. We now have to wear masks, <laughs> you know, and there's really no time to have a discussion about you know how do you feel about that and what do you where do you see yourself in this new world right so um it's it takes as long as it takes it takes as long as a person because it's individual everybody takes change differently yeah so, yeah it is it is individual um and and every every individual and every change is different. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes we get a little bit lured into thinking there's a formula, you know, and if we just, you know, do one plus one is going to equal two. And it's just, it's just so much more complex because we've have humans involved. <laughs> so each person is going to um, have their own, um, pace at which we go and we'd like to be able to sometimes as leaders we'd like to be able to push them along but um i think the idea is that we need to you know, ideally fire people um to want to move into the next phase right and i think a lot of times they they fall into the neutral zone you know i always kind of liken that to a river or you know this murky area that um, to your point is sort of, you know, it's hard to figure out where you are and, and what you're doing. I consider it to be in the fog. You know, you're in, you're walking through jello, you know, it's not easy. And there's so many things that go on in that time. It's, it can be frightening. It can be exciting. You know, it's where experiments take place a lot of times. So, you know, the neutral zone is a, is a, it can be a very exciting time, but it's also where you make it right before you go to the new. Yeah, yeah. So thinking about um, also like what can we do as leaders to help people move from endings into the neutral zone. Um, one thing that I have found that um, 
can be kind of painful, but also um, even when it's moving into something that's more positive is to really mark and recognize that something is to really give voice to that and to talk about that, that what is actually ending? Like, what are we, some, and sometimes it's a really good thing, you know, we're letting go of some of those things. We think about fall sometimes, you know, and you think about the trees and they're letting go of those leaves, right? How do we let go so that the new growth can happen in the spring? And uh, there's, you know, lots of sort of ritualistic things that you do around that. But um, really recognizing the importance of doing something to mark that that something is ending so that we can let go and start moving towards um, the neutral zone and stepping into that. Danielle, any any words that you um, have around the the end part? Oh, I love what you said about you know, the, the rituals around change. And I think that those are, they oftentimes seem silly, um, but boy, they can be so powerful. And so giving people that space uh, to say, I, I need to have a moment to go through a, a particular ritual is so impactful. Reminds me of a, a really big change that we went through many years ago when we were going becoming ISO compliant in a, um, a manufacturing environment. And People, um, it was a small group of, uh, started with, you know, like five people and um, people started, you know, processes. They put these processes into place that had been long-standing processes and they were really struggling with, that was like their identity. So we um, took some of these things, uh, the artifacts of the culture, right, the old culture, and we had the CEO signed them and thanked them and framed them and we gave them as gifts to people to recognize the contribution that they made and it just really was impactful for them and it it was one of those the rituals that right marked the change and ending uh, and paved the way into the new beginning so I think we have to as leaders be cognizant that those rituals can be really impactful and embrace them and not see them as something that's kind of trivial trivial or silly yeah or even signs sometimes of uh, resistance. So mm -hmm. uh, I've run into that sometimes working with managers where just admitting that something's ending, they're afraid that that bring up all of the uh, resistance from employees when actually what it really does is honor the work that has come before, honor the processes that came before and allows people to work through that and to let it go so that they can more enthusiastically move forward. So not being afraid of, of talking about what's real. Yeah, yep, yep. Just like we would do within our own personal world, right? Yes, yep, good. So we could, I know we, we could spend so much time <laughs> on each one of these, but I'm going to move us into the neutral zone. Uh, which some people would say they it's messy in the middle. <laughs> so um, it's always messy in the middle. As Trisha was saying earlier, it's about, um, it can feel foggy, um, but it also, uh, and can be a time of confusion. It also can be this uh, amazing time of innovation and creativity as well. As you start to really think about what does this final 
new beginning actually look like? How do we make it our own? Um, I was wondering, uh, Trisha, if you could talk a little bit about the four P's, purpose, picture, plan, and... Say, our- I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not hearing you. Say it again. Oh, to um, talk about the four P's, the purpose, picture, plan, and part of the neutral zone. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. In, in terms of the, the neutral zone, you know, the, the purpose, I'm, I'm thinking the four P's around uh, transition in general, whether it's the ending in the neutral zone going into the new beginning. But, you know, what is the purpose of the change is so important for people to understand why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Because why do I want to change if I've found my comfort spot in what we do every day and I've been doing it really well and I know how to do it and there's n- you know, no question that I can come in and do a great job of it and now you're telling me we have to do something different? I need to know why we have to change. And so for a leader, it helps to kind of lay out the plan and say, look, you know, here's where we are right now. Here's why it is a challenge. If we, if we go forward, this isn't going to work and here's why. And so here's what we're looking at going forward. And for leaders, it may be that they don't know exactly what the new beginning is going to look like. That's, that's where we are right now with COVID. We don't know exactly what the new beginning is going to look like. Right. So we're all kind of stuck in the neutral zone, but to keep people informed about it and to help people understand um, that looking at ways in which they can be a part of it and planning is a part of that and finding your part in it, finding your space in that change um, is going to be, make people a lot more forgiving of letting go of the old and probably a lot more patient as they are wading through and getting frustrated with not knowing what they're doing all the way into possibly being brave um, as they take their first step into the new beginning. So that's kind of an odd way of uh, hitting the, the piece, but it's really all about, you know, understanding your purpose. Why are we doing the change? You know, the, yeah. You know, yeah. and having a plan for it. And then what is my part in it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so important. When you were talking, one of the things that came to mind was, you know, the question of do we as leaders have to have all this figured out uh, for our, for our employees or for our organization before we can start to talk about it? And I think the most important message is that the answer is no, we don't. We don't have to know everything about change, what we're actually asked, we'll be asking people to do um, in that new beginning. Because part of what we want to do is have people join us on this journey. And we, you know, I've learned this way back um, many, many years ago, um, actually, when I was in high school, when somebody, a leadership person came in to talk to us and said, always remember that people tend to support that which they help create. Mm -hmm. And 
So where we can have opportunities for people to help create that change that helps them move through that neutral zone that helps them get that clarity because they're part of the answer. So while it can feel a little uncomfortable, it also helps engage people and get them committed to the actual change. So um, really good stuff. Danielle, what would you say about the neutral zone? And also how do we, how do we um, help people through the neutral zone and moving on to new beginnings? Oh, I, I think you have what you, what you described, Crystal, making them part of the change and part of the solution is the, really the key to getting people through the neutral zone and recognizing that people are going to move through it at their own pace and that uh, no two people are ever going to be in this, which I think is very challenging for managers. We want to get our operations productivity as a peak, our ROI and all those, those budgetary things that talk about are, are all back in up with the plan. And so I think that uh, helping manage, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have times where people are slipping in the neutral zone. Some, uh, something might happen in someone's personal life where they feel like has been underneath them and even personal life, it may impact how they show recognizing times we need to allow people to visit pity city um, but to really keep people or prevent people from moving back to pity city and that's a that's a i think because again as leaders we want to get back and we want to get our operations back up feel like okay we're there we've all arrived and we're all going to just continue sailing where mm -hmm. we offer neutral zone is not allowing people to move through it at their own pace. Yeah, such wise words. That's awesome. You know, it's, um, it's one of the ways that I think um, effective leaders help people get through that neutral zone is to really sit down and say, let's make a plan, you know, and get them on board with how do, how do they get through a day at a time if necessary, but you know, just little baby steps towards it. It doesn't mean that they have to be highly effective immediately, but working towards getting effective because we, to Daniel's point, we all have to, you know, we all have objectives that have to be met whether we're going through change or not. So it's that how do we get you to step one step ahead as you're going through this and I'm honoring this um, transition you're going through, we're all going through, but um, how do we get you to go one step at a time closer. There's that plan again, right? And recognize we're mm -hmm. all going to have a different plan. <laughs> Our plan is all mm -hmm. going to look a little bit different. You know, we're not going to all have the same plan. Yeah. So moving us through the neutral zone into new beginnings, um, give me uh, 30 seconds, uh, Trisha, about as a leader, what do you need to be thinking about when you're moving to new beginnings? Mm -hmm. uh, a couple things. Number one, that new beginnings, when a person steps into the new beginning, does not mean that that person is, is solidly grounded in the new beginning. So 
a person can step into the new beginning and step right back into the neutral zone if they don't immediately see their role in it or they can't see how they fit. So if if they've been told this is how you fit in and they've sort of understood it a little bit, they take that step into the new beginning and it doesn't feel quite comfortable, they might jump back into the neutral zone. And that the, the difference is jumping back into the neutral zone is not the center of the neutral zone. It's just on the edge of the new beginning. So keep people excited about what they're doing. Keep giving them positive feedback that's showing them that, you know, encouraging them to, yes, that's great. So, you know, asking them, what would you do about this? Making them a part of it to your point, Crystal, earlier about, you know, people will own things that they feel a part of, right? So making it something that they have a stake in um, is one way to keep people moving forward into a new beginning. 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And Danielle, what would you say about uh, to a, a leader to help them move their group uh, solidly into that new beginnings? Yeah, I would echo what you said, you know, about keeping people excited about it and celebrating the, the successes. No. Um, again, I think it's easy for leaders to lose sight of where what we've done uh, and they get so focused on what it is that we need to be doing that we forget again that we're still kind of baby stepping into this to patricia's point it should be easy to take a step a couple step backwards so the the way we do that is recognize celebrate the wins and continue to expectations continue to give really good feedback and be very clear about how successful we're being uh, continuing to ask do you need from me as our different new changing, uh, <laughs> you know, new software, new tools, new process, et cetera. You know, we don't often think about what we need going into a new process until we're stuck into it. And all of a sudden, it's, oh, huh, well, that's what you meant when you said X, Y, and Z. Now I understand it. So th now I understand what I need and to be asked. So again, yeah, just Patricia's point, really making sure that we're all still walking together, feeling good about, again, patience. <laughs> mm. you know, yeah. That's so, that's so rich, Danielle. It makes me think about, you know, ha making sure that people have what they need on the front end or, or that, you know, you're giving them what they need uh, rather than going back afterwards and having a lessons learned. I think we hear a lot about <laughs> lessons learned and I think often we could just completely do away with that if we were to have everything on the front end. Yeah, and you know, lessons learned always seems like kind of a scary uh, meeting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's oh, another oh, podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> All right, so I have to wrap this up. So it's been such a great conversation. Thanks, Trisha and Danielle, um, and to our listeners. So remembering that there's the difference between change and transition and how important uh, it is to think about the three phases when you're making um, any kind of change that it uh, that again about transition and that there's there's an important ending part a neutral part and new beginnings and um, so any uh, before I do the final final wrap any last words uh, Trisha 
Yes, I would like to thank both of you um, for the wonderful um, welcome to the podcast. I really, I think this was a lot of fun today. I, I was excited about it. And I think our, our conversation was rich. It really is, you know, if people want to know more about um, change and transition, I would definitely ask them to go online and take a look at what William Bridges brought to the world because it it stands it withstands time it's been great but thank you so much it's been a lot of fun i can't wait to continue with this and um be with you guys the next time danielle last words <laughs> yeah i would just again i echo what trisha said and say it's great to have you uh, uh, part of it uh, it's something that the three of us say frequently it's, it's just a little Plug for the three of us. I won't say that. <laughs> what it is, but uh, here we are, the three of us back together. So <laughs> great to have you as part of a part of the conversation. <laughs> I think awesome. we'll be a lot more talking over each other and forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, uh, it, this has been really fun, and I'm so glad that we're um, on this journey together. And uh, appreciate your guys's time and sharing your wisdom and all of your um, amazing knowledge and expertise. So, um, so looking forward to many more podcasts together. So before we close, I want to remind our audience to send in their questions about leadership and leading in these unprecedented times, and we will try and answer them on air in an upcoming podcast and last podcast we actually had a question so that was really fun so hopefully someone will write in um and you send those questions again to leadership and lattes which is a n d leadership and lattes at gmail.com and again if you'd like to know more about us or the show go to the pinnaclecc.com and lastly please subscribe to our podcast it's free and share with other leaders like yourself that you think would benefit from this podcast so thank you, Danielle and Tricia, for co-hosting with me, and I look forward to our next podcast. Thanks to thank our you, audience Rachel. for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye.